Good morning, City Life. Good morning, Church. Thank you all for being here. If you're visiting with us, we love that you're visiting. Hit the I'm new link. We want to get to know you. We want to invite you to the things that we do, even if we're just online for the time being. But we love being God's church together. Today is actually an extremely exciting day because we start a new sermon series that we've been calling The Spiritual Gifts. And I'm pretty sure you can guess what it's about just from the title. But I want to start today with a story. A story that if you've been here for a while you should be familiar with. But that I love telling and that I love reminding us about. Before coming to City Life, I worked at Nyack College, and I was one of the campus pastors for, for a couple of years. And I remember every time that I would go and minister to someone, when it was go time, when it was pressure time, when it was, is God going to show up or nothing? I always got to this place where I was like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what the answer is. One time I was called in the middle of the night, it was around three in the morning, by my buddy who worked with me, and he said, we have to go to one of the dorms. There's a young lady who is having a very hard time. That's all, really what he said to me. And we show up there and there's this girl and she is just screaming and crying and rolling around on the ground. It became pretty apparent that she was going through something spiritually, that something had happened that knocked her off of her feet, and she was in a lot of pain. And we tried, we prayed for her, we did all of the things that we were taught to do, all of the steps, no magic formula, but okay, check this, check that, go here, go there, ask questions, see what you can do, see what's, if there's anything that's breaking anything, in a good way. And nothing was happening. Until I felt in my heart, I don't even know how to describe it, but I felt in my heart God telling me, just grab her, hug her, like a father holds a daughter. And I I don't know, I have no idea how much time passed where I was just there holding her. It felt like a long time. But in that moment, I was re-taught that lesson. The lesson that I came through every time I went to go and minister to someone, and still continue to this day, every single time. I realized that I can do nothing, that I am extremely powerless, that there's nothing in me that can help anyone through something that's really difficult. Every time I sat there and every time I still do this and I hear people's secrets and some of their darkest secrets, some of the worst things that had ever happened to them, when I hear about stories of sexual, physical and emotional abuse, Every time I'm like, Lord, I can't do anything for this person. I can't do anything. I have no answers. I can't do anything that will change anything. But every single time I got into one of those situations, every single time, God knew exactly what to do. God knows exactly what to do every time and every time I was with somebody in the room and they were saying, yes, Lord, I give you permission, talk to me. Every single time that was the case, God came through and there's something powerful happened in the life of that person every single time. I always realized, Lord, I am powerless, but God is always able to do something. God is always able to shine a light when there is no light to be found. God is always able to bring healing when there's not even hope present. 
God is able every single time. It's God's love. It's God's grace. It's his mercy towards you and towards me that he is able to act and come through every single time. No matter your deepest, darkest secret, no matter your most consistent sin, no matter if all of Satan's army stood up against him, no matter the anger and the hatred and the division that we see all around us right now, no matter the fear, none of it can even stand up when God's in the room. None of it can even stand up when God is present. And so why start here? Why start a sermon series about spiritual gifts here? There are a few reasons for that. One, we just finished a couple, two weeks ago, we finished a series that we call Deepening Our Souls, where we let First and Second Peter speak to us, speak to our person, speak to our soul. We, the hope was to let God's word expose us, examine us, test us, act like a mirror to show us where we are in our journey with him. And our journey towards becoming immovable firmly grounded, planted believers of Jesus Christ. Our lasting image from that series were our great sequoia trees, some of which are 3,000 years old, that were born out of fire and are now fire resistant, effectively almost fireproof. So be this, this image of the Christian who says, you know, Lord, no matter what comes, I'm going to stand with you and I'm going to say yes to you. And so we preach to your soul. That was the goal. That was the, the purpose, to speak to you, your person, your soul, and strengthen that and build that up, that no matter what's happening around in the world, no matter what pandemic, no matter the hatred that we see, you know what? We stand firmly planted in Christ. Nothing changes that. But now it's time to switch perspective. And now we are trying, not trying, we are going to be preaching to the Spirit, to the spirit inside of you, to the spirit inside of me, to the spirit that unites us all. So the purpose of this sermon series is to equip you to understand spiritual gifts and for you to realize the spiritual gifts that God has made you to know and operate in. We've all been called to live Holy Spirit-empowered lives, but how do we get there? Do you even know what I mean when I say that? We'll examine that. We'll get that under our belts. What is a spirit-empowered life? You might not even understand what I'm saying, but we'll explore that. What's a spiritual gift? Some of us might not even know what spiritual gifts are, and we'll answer that. Are, some people are even wondering, are spiritual gifts still around today? And that's an unfortunate question to ask, but yes, we firmly believe that spiritual gifts are alive today like they were in the days that scripture was still being written. What is my spiritual gift? I know some of you, even just saying that, you're like, Lord, I don't know what my spiritual gift is. And I don't know what that is either. But we're going to be over these weeks devoting ourselves to praying and finding out what those are and how can we equip you to better live those lives out. And for some of us, unfortunately, are also asking, do I need to be afraid? Some of you are already afraid, even just from saying that. And it's because... It's been these things, spiritual things, spiritual gifts have been abused, or the Holy Spirit has been, you have been made to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. But where the presence of the Lord is, there is freedom, and so you do not need to be afraid. That with all of this comes also kingdom order. 
order and not loss of control. And so uh, we pray that this sermon series speaks to your spirit in a new way, in a way that you've never been spoken to before, that the Holy Spirit is allowed to come into your life and change you and show you these deeper things of life and living with God that we, I think, have always longed for but not known how to get there. And so to do this, we have five major pillars that we're going to be addressing in some way every single week. And these five pillars are this. Pillar number one is where we start today, so it would be the shortest explanation here. And it's this. What is in your hand? It's this question that God asks Moses, what is in your hand? So you have been fearfully and wonderfully made, wonderfully been made. So God knows everything about you. Sometimes he only asks, hey, what do you have? I can use that. What is in your hand? Pillar number two, from faith to reach faith. Some of us are very inexperienced with what we mean even by spiritual gifts. Is it this or is it that or is it just this thing that I'm really good at? Is that a spiritual gift? And we'll, we'll address that. But it's this idea that something that's truly a spiritual gift comes out of your faith and the sole purpose of that is to reach someone else's faith. That we have been called by the Holy Spirit to live lives that are far more than just natural or the physical and reach people and say, you know what? If you know Christ, and I want to help strengthen your faith. If you don't, not, don't know Christ, I'm going to partner with God to generate faith in your life. So from faith to reach faith. Pillar number three. When we serve, the gifts emerge. This is a saying that I've taken from my coach and my mentor, Pastor John Soper. When we serve, the gifts emerge. And the idea here is that, you know what, spiritual gifts are not made for hoarding. They're not made for us to be in a room experimenting, playing around. Oh, see what I can do, see how much power I have. No, but the spiritual gifts come up when we dedicate ourselves to a life of service. Service to the world and service to other believers to strengthen one another. Spiritual gifts emerge when we try to serve all the time. Pillar number four, spiritual gifts are never owned. This one might seem a little bit heady when we get there, but it's an important distinction to be made. That if you all are given the grace to pray for healing in other people, and you do that from here for the next 30 years, you pray and somehow miraculously people get healed, you are never a healer, but God is a healer through your prayer, obedient prayers. This is important for us to realize that we never own the gifts, that we always operate out of a place of service to our true king. And pillar number five, it's all about the giver of the gifts and not the gifts. A life that is truly lived in the spiritual arena that is effective in doing things and seeing miraculous things happen this life is lived out because there's this healthy perspective, Lord, I can't do anything. I'm not even going to fall in love with this gift. I'm not going to fall in love with the show. I'm not going to fall in love with the power or the reputation. I'm not going to build some ministry here propping me up. But no, it's always about you. I won't fall in love with this show or this demonstration, Lord. I'm going to fall in love with you and hold me there the whole time. And so I'm really excited about this sermon series because I have felt for a long time God calling city life into deeper spiritual living. I want to speak into all of our spirits and strengthen us and equip us to live lives that we have all, I know, imagined 
that we've all said, oh, this would be awesome if we saw this. Or if this was in our church, man, that would be incredible. I think God's calling us into some of those places. And we're going to introduce this idea through the life of Moses right now. But before we go there, let, let me pray. Let me pray that we go in unity together, that we are casting out fear during this journey, that we're not going to lose control or become these out-of-control church that just loves the show. But no, that we become a people who are so devoted to Christ that we say, you know what, Lord, please, we want to see your miracles. We believe that you're alive today. And so let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for our church, for your church. I thank you that you're continuously calling us into deeper living with you. That you tell us that we can live lives that are not just dependent on us, but that you empower to go out to do good things for us and for other people. Lord, I'm tired of living life thinking there's more out there. How can I get there? But Lord, we say yes to what you want to do in our church, in the life of our body. Lord, that we want to pray and we want to see people healed. We want to pray and we want to see captives set free. We want to pray and we want to see miracles, Lord. We want to see you at, at work. We want to see you being the boss like you are. And so, Lord, we also just want to fall in love with you and bring you glory and honor through the process. Lord, you know where you're taking us. We partner and say yes to what you want to do, Lord, and we just ask for your spirit to be with us, to bring us forward together. Lord, we love you, and we'll go anywhere that you have for us as a church. I pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, I'm so excited. I love talking about these things. I believe that this deeper living and going after Holy Spirit-empowered lives is so crucial for the life of every believer who has ever lived. And we're going to spend most of our time in, in the New Testament. But today we're starting in Exodus, in the Old Testament, because God's journey always starts in the First Testament. And so let's read about the li- a little bit about the life of Moses. Here, I think where most of us are familiar with Moses and what he did, but let's try and put that all out of our minds. Right now we see a man who is uh, being a shepherd, going out, and he sees something peculiar. He sees a bush on fire that is not being consumed. And so let's jump into the interaction God has with Moses in chapter 4, verse, starting in verse 1. God's word says this. Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A staff. And he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, Put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it, And it became a staff in his hand, that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. So here we're entering in mid-conversation. God is speaking through this bush. And fast forwarding a couple of verses, now down to the same chapter, verse 10. But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent either in my past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? 
Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, O my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. And you shall speak to him and put the words and put the words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people and he shall be your mouth and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand his, this staff with which you shall do the signs. Incredible story, incredible man, incredible journey that God puts him in. But it really begins here. And so we need to be talking about Moses. This first point called Second Act Moses. If you're familiar with Moses' stories, he had one of the most fascinating lives in all of Scripture, probably of anyone who ever lived and lived their lives with God. An incredible journey, ups and downs, left turns here and there. But one thing that we know about Moses' life is that it was pretty neatly actually divided up into three sections, three different and distinct phases of his life, each pretty neatly into 40 year spans. And so we got to talk about this. Act one, Moses is the Moses who was born, who was put in the river and grows up in Pharaoh's home. Act 1, Moses is this powerful man. He, he lives in the house of the Pharaoh right next to rubbing arms with the most powerful man in the world or one of them. And Act 1, Moses is very different than the rest of his life. Act 1, Moses was in power. He was with power. He knew power and he needed nothing. And then we also fast forward Act 3, Moses is the one that probably most of us really associate with Moses. And it's this great man. Wow, Moses, are you kidding me? Moses, this guy who led the Israelites in the desert. Moses, the guy who held the Ten Commandments, who was so wise and such a good leader, the model of Christian leadership. Moses, oh, like what, what distinction, Moses. He's the guy who got to speak to God face to face. His, he was so close to God that his skin shone and he had to wear a veil because it creeped people out. This Moses is an incredible Moses. But this is not the Moses who we see today in Act 2 Moses. Act 2 Moses was by far the most ordinary man out of all the three. Act 2 Moses was plain, he was ordinary, he was dull. At this stage of his life where he should have been even rich, he could have generated he was hurting his own flock. We romanticize what being a shepherd really is sometimes because Jesus calls himself a good shepherd. But really, being a shepherd meant you had no station in life. That you had no real skills. That you, there's really nothing, oh, I'm a shepherd. No, you don't really take pride in that. But God approaches this Moses. He approaches the lowliest version of Moses in the lowliest phase of his life. And he says, you know what? I have a mission for you. I need you to do this for me. And you know, like, like a lot of us do, he says, God, I, I can't, it can't be me. I can't speak. I can't do this. I can't do that. Lord, I am not talented enough. Maybe if I was still with Pharaoh, I could have done something. But no, Lord, 
you got to find someone else. And I wonder how many of us right now are in our act two Moses, where God is telling us to do something for him, and we just can't. We freeze. Or maybe God's calling us into a new phase of life, and we say, Lord, I can't. Or God's telling us to do something, to pray more, to read scripture more, to take more risks, to go talk to a certain coworker, or go talk to a friend, or go, go to another believer and say, you know, like, like Michael talked about last week, you know, maybe consider this. Or maybe he's just asking us to pray a little bit more, give him more of our intimate time, sacrifice a little bit more, and we just say, Lord, I can't. You're asking the wrong guy. I, I can't. I'm not elegant. I have no abilities. I have no special skills. Excuse after excuse. Lord, I can't. I just, I can't. Please. I really can't. I've never seen a miracle, so why are you asking me to go pray for that guy or that lady and pray for their healing? I, I've never seen it. How can I do it? Oh, Lord, you must be mistaken. I don't read my Bible enough. Okay, I'll spend the next two weeks and I'll read up my scripture as much as I can. I'll take notes on the sides and everything, Lord. Maybe then I'll do it. Or maybe when I've gone to church this many consecutive weeks. Okay, I'll, I'll do it then. I might be ready yet. I might be ready then. But then God comes to second act Moses. And he dismantles every excuse that he could ever muster with just one question. One question that starts to change the direction of Moses' entire life. And that's point two. And that question is, what is that in your hand? Let's read chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 again. Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. More, he's already doubting. Before he even takes a step, he's saying, Lord, they're not going to believe me. There's nothing in me that will cause them to believe me that you actually asked me to do this. Then in verse 2, the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A staff. I love how God starts there. He says, You know what? Okay, focus a little bit. Listen to me. Like, like a dad talking to his kid. Usually, probably that's how God talks most of the time to us because we are just little kids. He's saying, You know what? Listen, listen, focus. Look right here. Focus on me. So just let's, let's not go there yet. Just what's in your hand? And then in verse 10, he starts talking about Moses has all these other excuses. He says, there's something wrong with my mouth. Even physically, I can't. My tongue doesn't work. I can't do this. And then God says, then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Then he says, now, therefore, go and I'll teach you. I'll be with your mouth. I'll give you the words. And later on, he even said, you know what? Aaron, I'll, okay, I'll send Aaron with you. You give him the words. I'll give you the words. I'll be with you both. I'll be teaching you. But this first question here is so beautiful. What is that in your hand? God says to you and to me when he's calling us into something new, when he's asking us to do something we've never done before and might be a little scared. He says, what's that in your hand? I know you. I made you. You have been fearfully and wonderfully made. I know exactly what you have. Moses, all you have is this little staff, right? Show it to me. And Moses does, and he says, throw it on the ground, and that's that dead wood, Pastor Soper talks about this, that dead wood becomes a snake. Okay, that is pretty magnificent already. That's pretty marvelous. But it, and then he picks it up, and it becomes a stick again, a staff, a 
dead tree. And here God's saying to you and to me, when he's calling us, when he has something for us to do, he said, I know you, I've made you. Every, every imperfection you think you have, you know what? God says, I can, I can work with that. He said, you only have a staff, Moses, I can work with that. And then in verse 17, Pastor Soper says this, and, in, and take in your hand his staff, with which you shall do the signs. At that moment, Moses' staff no longer becomes, no longer is Moses' staff anymore, but it turns into God's staff. Because he says, you know what? I've given you this. This will be enough. All of the miraculous things that are about to happen are going to come from this stick. So go and take it. It's my staff now, and it'll do marvelous signs. And so God is saying to you and to me as he's calling, he's saying, I can equip you. I have given you talents. I have given you skills, your temperament, everything I have put together on purpose. And it's for my glory and my mission. So don't be afraid. Don't look at all the excuses. Don't even come up with scenarios in your mind of how you're going to fail because I can work with that. I hear him saying that to me all the time. I can work with that. You know what, Pedro? Yeah, I can work with that. And then that brings us to our third point here that I've been calling the snake showdown. Skipping a couple of chapters to chapter 7, we see that, that Moses was a, was a bit faithful, right? He was on the journey. He's already doing some of the things God tells him to do. And they go before Pharaoh, and this is an exchange that they have. Then, the, Starting in chapter 7, verse 8, Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when Pharaoh says to you, prove yourselves by working a miracle, then you shall say to Aaron, take your staff and cast it down before Pharaoh, that it may become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh summoned his wise men and the sorcerers and they... The magicians of Egypt also did the same by their secret arts. For each man cast down his staff, and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. I love this detail. You can, If you blink, you miss it. But when God calls us to do something for him, not only does he say, okay, what's in your hand? I can use that. I can empower that. I can take that back. Give it some Holy Spirit juice. Give it back to you. I know who you are. I know this is the precise moment that I'm asking you to do this. I know all this. I factored all this in. But then when we see that, when we start taking steps and doing what God tells us to do, and then we see obstacles come up our way, or we see the world, Satan, when, when it doesn't go exactly as planned, when we see these gifts working to counter ours, when we see that the enemy does not want certain things to happen, we see that, okay, some people can mimic some of this, but that's exactly what it is. It's just a mimic. It, here at the end of verse 12, it says, but Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. And I think that's what we should be focusing here. When God asks us to do something, when he gives us these gifts, when he showers these graces and these mercies, he's, what he gives us never fails. It never comes back void. It never is returned to us without doing what God meant it to do. 
And so we take these steps. We say, God, okay, you called me. You've equipped me. You know who I am. You know what I can't do and what I can do. But Lord, I, I, I will be obedient and I'll see how your plan goes out and how nothing stands in the way. I will realize that you are the better way and that what you do will never fail. And so us, when we find ourselves being called, what do we do? We take this next step and we say, Lord, I, I hear you speaking to me. I might not agree with you. I might think that you've got the wrong person, but I will be obedient. I'll go and talk to this person. I'll read scripture at this time of the night. Okay, I'll, I'll fast a couple lunches a week. Okay, I'll pray for this person. I've never seen anyone be healed, physically healed, but I think you're telling me to, so let me go pray for this person. Or I've been afraid of speaking in tongues my whole life, but I feel like God keeps putting that on my heart. Or sometimes I'm thinking and I'm praying with someone and I, and I have this word, I feel like I know exactly what to say, but I'm afraid to say because I might be wrong. And God's with all that, saying, you know what, I can work with that. And church, I think this is what he's calling us to step into in this season. He's saying, you know, Lord, I'm available. I'm available for you to do your plan and to do what you do. There are people out there in this city who God wants people to know about him, and they might only know if we become obedient and say, Lord, send us. We will be a sent church to go to anywhere you want us to go and to pray and to do things and to do these things that we don't fully understand, but Lord, if you're calling us to do that, then, then we will. Because we think that anything, when anything stands up against you, you win out every single time. And so let's conclude this. Let's, let's make this make a little bit more sense with where we're going in the sermon series. I want to finish up the story that I introduced today with about that time me and my friend went to go pray for this lady who was having this demonic experience. See, I, I've, this is a part of the story that I've never shared before. We went and we prayed. We, we, it was really late and you have to use wisdom in these situations. So let's pray for you, get you ready, get you confident. You're okay. God has you. You're in his hands. We'll, we'll see you in, in the morning. We'll see you after you've gotten some sleep, after you've taken care of yourself a little bit. Go and sleep. No, we'll go talk to you. And then me and my friend got into his car and we drove back to our building because we lived in the same building. And then for the next hour, him and I, we parked the car and we stayed in the car. And we started crying and we started confessing our sins to one another. We were both so deeply moved by the power and the grace and the mercy that we had just seen, been witness to. They were like, Lord, I can do nothing. I don't have the goods. I don't have the power. I could have done nothing for this young lady who was screaming and crying. I, could, I had nothing to do for her. But then when you showed up, when we actually heard you and, and did what you asked us to do, you brought peace. You brought your order. You brought her dignity back. I can't do any of that, Lord, but you can. That God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, our, our Lord, only you can do these things. And so I give you my life. I give you my talents. I give you my time. And Lord, I, I, my perspective will be, tell me what to do and I'll go and do it. Tell me how to practice these things and I'll follow you. 
because I can't do any of this on my own. I'm done trying to do this on my own. Lord, I need your gifts to empower me to be able to do more than just survive, to be able to pray and actually see things change. And so there's a few things that I want us to acknowledge and be sent off with today to launch us into this new sermon series. The first one is that God has equipped you and that he is calling you. That if you belong to Christ, if you have said yes to Christ, there is not a single one of you who is not being called and sent out to go and do something for him, to go and pray with someone, to go and bring someone to Christ. Every single one of us has that call, and God has richly equipped all of us to be able to do that with spiritual gifts. And so we, we spend time to realize what those are over these next couple of weeks and say, Lord, empower me. You're sending me out. Empower me to know what that is. How have you made me to go out and reach the X person? The second thing we realize is that spiritual gifts are meant to honor and bring God glory. That they, if they ever bring you glory, if they ever bring you pride, then we're doing it wrong. It's always meant to make us realize how powerless we are and how good God is. Third thing is that when we truly live empowered lives, that there is nothing to fear because it brings freedom. It leads us to know who our Lord is, who our leader is, who our shepherd is, the one who can really do all of these things because it's not you and I. I don't have control over my life. But Lord, you do. And then the last thing is that we have to realize that God knows what he's doing. I hear him asking us today, what's in your hand? What do you have? What, What is already there that God has given you? For Moses, it was a staff, and it did all of the miracles that we read about in Scripture. It did everything that happened in Egypt came out of that staff. And that was just a stick. How much more can God use you and God use me? What is in your hand? Let's spend time in our prompt call, in our MC calls today, wrestling with these prompt calls to see how it is that God has made you, equipped you to go out and live with these spiritual gifts, to know what your gifts are and how you operate them and how good the Holy Spirit is to all of us and how as a church we can become this community that sees God perform miracles to see God liberate the captives, to bring healing, physical and inner, and inner healing, for us to speak in tongues and have interpretations, for us to do things that we've always imagined and heard happen in other parts of the world, but not here. Church City Life, we are, we are being called in this season to invest in our spiritual beings and take new steps and give God more of who we are. And so City Life will be praying for us in this. We'll be processing this together. We'll be having events outside of Sundays to help process this a little bit. And I can't wait for to see where we end up, where our Act 3 City Life community is in the future at some point. And so we love you. Here are our prompt questions for this morning. Prompt question number one. Have you previously had experience with spiritual gifts? We haven't even really addressed what spiritual gifts are. That's, we're going to start doing that next week. 
But have you had experiences in your life that you knew were more than just a coincidence or more than just oh, something normal or natural happening where you felt God's presence or where he moved powerfully in a certain circumstance? Have you seen that before? It's also important for us as a community to know if we've had these experiences before. Prompt question number two. What is your general outlook on the spiritual gifts? Are they weird to you? Are they scary to you? Are they non-existent to you, which happens in the church? What is your general outlook on them? Because it's also important to know where we stand before we can get going somewhere. Prompt number three. What is something miraculous that you read in scripture and either want to experience or have a fascination with? What is something, if you're like me, you read scripture and like, Lord, oh, if I could see that, that would be incredible. I want to see you work in that way. What Do you have anything like that? Any healthy curiosity that God has put in your heart? And let's go after some of those in this season. All right, so City Life, we love you so much. We can't wait to be together. October 18th, we'll be in park, but we'll also have our online service. We love you. Join our prayer calls. Join our MC calls this week. We, want, we need to be this community that loves and serves one another and our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're so grateful for all of you. We'll see you very soon. Bye.